0: Hello and welcome to TXF Financing International Trade FitZone Country Risk Podcast. I'm Catherine Morton, Head of Trade, Treasury and Risk at TXF and I'm joined here today by Rebecca Harding. She's CEO of Coriolis and in this segment we're going to be talking about risky business in Europe. Now there's plenty of risky business. Where shall we start? Let me think. Shall we start with the UK?
1: (laughs) So... Yeah, we can start with the UK by all means. Uh, the UK actually has reduced its risk in every single area over the last over the last uh, year or so, except foreign policy. And so, foreign policy risk has increased a hundred percent in the UK. Uh, now, the reasons for that are obvious. Um, we're not the UK is not increasing. We're going to mention the
0: B word here, aren't we? We <laughs> are going to
1: mention the B word, and I apologise for that. But let's get that out of the way let's first. Um, I think I think the most important thing with, with the UK at the moment is its ambiguous relationship with Europe and its ambiguous relationship with itself, actually. Um, so I think I think um, what we're seeing in the data is this general tension in the news in relation to Europe in particular, uncertainty about a sense of destiny for the country. Um, in trade terms, that, that isn't having an impact in terms of increased imports of arms like we've been talking about before because we have budget constraints As well, so we've actually not increased our levels levels of arms or or um, strategic trade at all over the last over the last six months. So, so it's not weaponisation, but where it's appearing is in rhetoric. So there is a rhetorical weaponization that's going on around our economic relationships with, with, with Europe in particular. And we've seen an awful lot of that um, because of the type of language that our politicians use in relation to Europe and have been using. Now what this does is eventually it alters our relationship with the rest of the world. Um, and then it means that we have the potential for being isolated, and then that has consequences militarily um, and in terms of foreign policy as well. And I think though that's where we're likely to see the biggest risks emerging. As we speak, um, the EU and the UK have announced that they have come to a deal. Obviously Theresa May in the next month has to get that through Parliament. Um, and um, what then happens um, is representing a huge domestic policy risk to the UK as well in terms of what are the global risks to trade from brexit um they're actually fairly small um so if you if you look at the uk these days as a an influencer of world trade there are risks to the uk because we are the 10th largest um 10th largest exporter in the world and the sixth largest importer in the world um we, we we don't have that type of influence that we think we have anymore so there are risks from this foreign policy risk to our trade um, there are obvious risks to trade finance as well so we we are seeing from that foreign policy there may be risks to the uk there almost certainly won't be long-term risks to global trade or even european trade
0: in terms of the actual risks themselves at the moment though apart from the rhetoric and the and the uh, yeah, you're saying that there's actually physically not been that much impact on trade so far of, of the process, and then what about in terms of our ability to import in the future as well? I mean, obviously. <laughs>
1: well, so so much of this in the UK is um, is about our supply chains. Um, now, what you have to remember with the UK is that all of the UK's trade is strategic. So we do a lot of aerospace trade. We do a lot of. Um, High-end communications, telecommunications, electronics trade. We do a lot of trade um, in um, in military equipment as well. So we have. A, a very strategic base to our trade. It's actually the highest of the G20. So if you look at um, strategic trade as being arms trade plus dual use goods trade in, in, in strategic areas, then it's actually nearly 30% of our economy. Um, and, and from that point of view, it's very highly correlated with GDP growth as well because it's so big. So if we alter our strategic relations with Europe, um, we're altering the trade base of important supply chains in electronics, in machinery and components, which also includes computer technologies. Um, we're, we're altering our relationship in terms of aerospace. Um, and we're altering our our, um, our relationships in terms of pharmaceuticals. These are and obviously, automotives as well. These are very important sectors for the UK. Sixty percent of our trade with Europe is in those five sectors. So we we we're beginning to see. Um, the need to come together again to talk about what those strategic relationships are going to be. I think that's why um, the politicians have moved more in direction of kind of a realpolitik, if you like, a, you know, sort of being practical about what the relationship should be
0: does this data to
1: cover services as well it does cover services um we um but but the the thing about services is that actually in the uk nobody knows um what our service sector trade is so the government came out with a portal the office of national statistics came out with a report which never got anywhere um, which is actually um, Ireland and the US and um, France and Germany and Spain um, say that they trade a lot more with us in services and we say we trade with them. In other words, Germany says it imports in financial services, for example, twice the amount um, that we say we import from Germany. Now if you multiply that, and I I have done <laughs> um, in our data, if you multiply that across um, all of the countries, we don't have a trade surplus in services that is anywhere near as big um, as, um, as is in our stati- government statistics at the moment. The government knows this asymmetry problem is there, um, if it's real. And I wouldn't dare say it was if the government is not saying it is. But if it's there, then it has very profound consequences for our GDP and our, how our GDP is 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 um, constructed. So that there is something that needs needs to be investigated there. If I if I look at the other way in which um, Brexit has actually influenced Europe um, and influenced the United States as well, um, it's actually an increase in populism across Europe. So what we have seen in Europe over the last six months and going into um, you know projected to move forward as well is an increase um, in regime type risks and in and this has happened in most European countries. So Austria, Belgium. Bulgaria, Croatia, Germany, France, Italy. Obviously, this is having um, Hungary, Poland, it's having a profound effect on the nature of Europe. Um, We've seen American influence coming in along uh, along the lines of populism, Steve Bannon's crew coming in to try and influence European elections. That is a destabilizing influence in Europe. And, and what's happening alongside that is that we're also seeing building tensions along the the states in Europe that border the Baltic states. So we've seen increased in, increases in arms trade in Finland, Sweden, Norway, Denmark, and we're hoping that may have peaked, um, and that it was a one-off. Um, it was a one-off thing, um, but that is one to watch because there are risks building there. All of that said, Europe is a region that is stable. It's not it's not a high risk region in the world, it's relatively stable. And the most risky country within Europe, um in broader Europe, is Turkey. And what we're seeing with Turkey is um that it is a high risk country. So it's in terms of its growth in arms trade and in terms of its growth in dual-use goods trade, Turkey has become visibly more risky over the last six months. And a lot of that is to do with it being on a fault line between Eurasia, the Middle East and North Africa, and Europe, literally and figuratively. I mean, this is on a fault line, but, um, but politically it's on that fault line as well. And where it stands at the moment is very uncomfortable in terms of its domestic politics, but also in terms of its, its geopolitical position It's one of the countries also that is um, key in circumventing sanctions. Um, Its relationship with Iran is very important. Its relationship with Russia is very important. You see a lot of commodities, not elsewhere specified trade, um, going through Turkey because it is a conduit between some of the sanctioned countries and uh, European European trade, broader European trade, particularly in oil. And it's also been hit.
0: Quite a lot by the rhetoric, at least, of weaponisation of trade uh, with Trump.
1: Yes, yes. So um, what what's happened there is that there's an increase in tension, in, visible tension in the news. So uh, the relationship between between Trump and uh, the US, uh, between Trump and Turkey, is difficult. Obviously, over the last few months, that's ameliorated slightly because they let the pastor go, um, and the pastor returned home to um, returned home to the US. So, so Trump has stepped back a little bit. So we've seen those those risks moderate, um, but there's still a very big tension in the news in terms of this broader relationship. Turkey will become embroiled in any kind of um, extension to sanctions on Iran. Um, will become embroiled in a trade sense in uh, the relationships between Europe, Iran and Russia as well. So that's where the risks are in the trade sense.